Welcome, everyone, to the Iron Fist podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me is a man whose best attribute is his sense of humor. It's Pete. Hello, Pete. I'm glad you mentioned my sense of humor. I thought it was my behind. The Iron Fist podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 103, Rolling Thunder Cannon Punch, is brought to you by the Lonely Locksmith. Just waiting for dojos and companies to give them a call. Still waiting. Please call. Even if you're too poor to fix your door. Time to step inside the dojo and deconstruct this episode. Literally, Matt, stepping into Chikara Dojo, creaking as Colleen sleeps, flashlights uh, flicking around and doorknobs rattle. Um, Shannon and company uh, attempt to access the dojo here, and Colleen, in her nighty-night clothes, takes them out with her trusty practice sword. Pete, I know that we... Uh, particularly me, I was a little critical of uh, some of the writing of uh, episode 102. I have to say this opening here, pretty solid, particularly given that um, we start with the with the kind of fixed point of view uh, of Colleen. We don't know that Danny is in there in a moment that, of course, will be revealed uh, on first viewing. But this notion that that we don't know exactly what's going on it's a really effective way i think to to hook the audience in and to also make it kind of more colleen centric versus if it was danny running in gasp gasp danny you know jumping up into the rafters the mystery here is better um it, it still is a little incongruous when when shane says they're trying to actually help uh danny rand is on the run at this point we're starting to connect things back to last episode where he had escaped from the hospital, of course. Uh, Colleen sees blood drops dropping down. Um, the goons leave, and uh, she's able to uh, to see that Danny is hiding up in the rafters. And with that, Pete, he swoops down. He says he hasn't done anything. And gee whiz, he's awful sorry for all the trouble. But she doesn't like it. She worries the cops are coming here. Uh, the, the lock has been broken on the door, Matt. And she tells him that the third tenet of Bushido code is mercy, but even that has its limits. Don't be here in the morning as we hit the title card. Pete, you know what I learned watching the credits uh, for this episode, which I did on the website, not on Apple TV, not on the app, etc. There now is a skip intro button, at least on the website. So Noticed it as well, yes. I was totally psyched about that. I love giving credit where credit is due. I don't need to watch the credits because it's 2017. Boop! Credits now over. Ward entering uh, entering the secret Meacham pent-up house. Uh, nice wide shot of the location. But Pete, where's dad? Looks to be <laughs> a hyperbaric <laughs> chamber. Michael Jackson style. Interesting tension as we see Harold in there seeming almost dead. But after a knock-knock on the glass, Harold wakes up. It's so peaceful in here. He just can't help but doze off. Yeah, the uh, the phone there that he's using. Um, Ward is sure that they will find Danny within the hour. And then 
because the hyperbaric chamber bat isn't enough of like a, a tantalizing again view into what Harold's existence is. Then there are all these uh, little medical liquid bottles that he's making a concoction out of drinks, one drinks another. Um, so we're definitely going to talk about that stuff a little bit later on in our theory segment. Um, <clears throat> but speaking of doors again, <laughs> Harold wants to ensure that they pay for the door at the hospital. So it was indeed, uh, and you know, we, we were playing around with a convention. What if it wasn't a hospital in the previous episode? Um, but they, they want it swept under the rug that he, uh, he blew through that door there. Um, and, uh, wants to keep people more importantly from talking. As for Patel, this, uh, with a, a huge real estate deal, uh, as for Patel selling, uh, pops, that's Harold, uh, says to add 10% to the asking price, even though they're already a million over value. Oh, and pops wants joy to close the deal. Why is all this being done? <laughs> Harold is doing it. For his son to oh, hand off, but, but you don't need to know. <laughs> that was the even better response. You you don't need to know. Oh, you don't need to know. Oh, dads, um, particularly uh, he asks, why did Ward countermand his his order? He gives his son a punch to the back to learn him a huge lesson, huge indeed, because Ward genuinely seems in pain for a good minute afterwards that, Pete, if you if you transfer from the, the fictional to the real world, that's like three to five minutes of, of kidney punch pain. <laughs> Harold is doing all of this to make his son a great man, the implication being make him a great man one day. Again. Indeed, Pete, make his son a great man again one day, again. Um, dad, of course, Harold here, just, I, I, it's a great scene because there's the medical mysteries. There's him lording his intelligence and his physicality over his son, promising to be the, the caring father, but showing none of it. He sends it with, Hey, I love you, Ward. I love you so much. How does he not show it? You've come on, man. You've never punched a child in the kidney and then told him how much, uh, you'll, you love him. Pete, when you put it like that, it just helps, <laughs> helps reinforce my point. At Chikara Dojo, Colleen meditates when she hears the hip hop music and finds Danny doing his Tai Chi. Is that hot uh, 97 Pete? I don't I, think so. It's not the blazing hip hop and R&B of Hot 97. I don't think so. We didn't hear, unlike Luke Cage, we haven't gotten local DJ shout outs just yet. Uh, excuse me. Sway is on a satellite radio. <laughs> the, the station that shouldn't be named if it's the only one that exists. And uh, Sway is not local. Sway is national and international. But I digress. Fair enough. I uh, don't have the satellite radio because I support terrestrial radio. Anyway, um, there is the, uh, the, the student teacher, Daryl, will later find out his name in this episode. He doesn't know what Danny is doing here. Uh, and Colleen wants to know why he isn't gone just yet. Turns out, Matt, he's worried for Colleen's safety. But as she's told us before and will uh, reemphasize here, doesn't need his protecting 
but he's concerned given that the fat one of the uh, Shannon and co assailants from Rand um, landed a, uh, the, the fat one that smelled like toe fungus landed a blow though. He paid the price still should have never gotten that close. And thus begins the instruction about the tiger form, Matt, using internal, not external strength. I didn't know, Pete, that they were setting up the the tiger blow, which we will discuss uh, when it makes its reappearance in a later scene. Um, so I will judge this scene on its own merits. Uh, I like that we go from, oh, she she received a blow from, from the toe fungus guy. She gives a blow his way. Um, and that's when we see him once again describing that internal force. It's what you and I, Pete, had had uh, categorized as kind of these minimal movements, this kind of very defensive uh, fighting style. So even even with our, uh, our our non martial arts acumen, the the efforts that they've put in to have this internal force certainly uh, already having come across on the screen. Um, uh, Colleen says that this internal force is reducing his attacking power. Um, and I like Pete how we're kind of restacking the story elements here. It, it's an incredibly effective scene. We've seen her take on three security guys fairly easily, but Danny is able to down her without much effort. Uh, therefore, you know, Danny could take on three, you know, you know, more than three guys. His point is, is made clear by the fight choreography and uh, with that, Pete, she wants him out, but he offers to pay rent six months if he can stay for a week. He might even upgrade to more. On the choreography, though, unfortunately, it's been another source of criticism um, of this show. Um, I'm, I'm going to hold the larger part of that discussion for our next episode. However, um, I have to say his his style, the way they've presented it, we we can't expect, you know, Daredevil with the hallway long fighting scenes, uh, the the second episode of the first season, and then the the dogs of hell, you know, down the stairway uh, episode of of the second season. Um, you know, the the fight scenes in. Um, Jessica Jones and Luke Cage, I would kind of lump together in their brutality in the way the two of them can absorb punches, um, given the nature of their powers. Here, I think Rand's abilities are what they should be. He's the smallest of all of them. He's evasive. And the idea that you know, whether it's the chi thing with the hand, which he's not shown anybody not in front of a hospital door yet on the series, or discussion about channeling that internal power and hinting at it to Colleen before he, he unveils this leopard punch here. I, I think, again, what it needs to be. Bottom line is she decides that he can stay as long as he sleeps in the corner and uses the bathroom at coffee joint. <laughs> um, maybe uh, he should take a shower too, although it seems uh, it seems uh, to be more of a jibe than anything else, Pete, because I don't think 
coffee joint has showers. Meanwhile, though, at Stately Rand Tower, Joy and uh, Joy and Ward are discussing whether the right thing has been done to hide uh, the Danny facts or not. Ward floats the idea of a secret play, says that Joy uh, is in on the peer deal, in on convincing Raj Patel. And uh, she reminds him and us that he used to con her into doing his homework for her. Uh, that means that he's manipulative and mean, and she's smart, Pete. I see some of your genuine uh, uh, expositional story details there shared with the audience. And the issue with Raj Patel here, she wants to know, why do we need this crappy peer? What is going on with all of that? And I think it dovetails nicely into the uh, waiting Danny on her step there with the oranges and the flowers that uh, she notes in another life might have been romantic the same way in another life, uh, you know, not being sent to a mental hospital by, you know, friends uh, might have been uh, handled a little bit differently as well. By the way, Pete, I see that he's gotten a beard trim and a haircut. Um, that was nice because I think both the, the hair and the beard were starting to get a little, uh, <laughs> a little unwieldy. Um, I like that there's the callback to, uh, to the M&Ms. They're yes. supposed to be friends, just like the M&Ms proved. Um, she sits next to him showing that sympathy, that sympathetic side of her, which will presumably we can infer play into the episode later um what happened to him he answers pete what the best of us say on the facebook it's complicated uh <laughs> when you want people to pry and ask <laughs> um he's learned that people freak out over the story pete the 10 year old is starting to grow up and realize that to sit and go I bought the John Anderson thing I just needed to come home by the way when the celestial Moon is in the seventh house <laughs> and Aquarius, and then we go to Kun Loon, and he's decide he's he's learned some discretion, Pete, and and that's that's what it requires is some discretion. But uh, he notes that Joy and Ward are are linked to the life he had. They kept him going under very difficult circumstances, and she shares with him that you know she was thirteen when her father died. Um, and still hadn't gotten over Danny and the loss of his family. Um, and she had this vision, a dream, really. She was a kid at school. She saw her dad standing by the fence waiting for her. It happened a hundred times. That's funny, Matt. Who else has seen dad? Yeah, I was totally in on that part of the scene. And then I realized, oh, it's actually set up for... She's setting up a reception for the story football. Oh, it, but is she? Well, I I think she is. In the in the next sentence, um, Danny says, "Gee whiz, I had a dream about seeing Harold too." Well, which, hold put a put a pin in that thought. Okay. Regardless, though, I know later on in in the, in this episode, Joy mentions Danny saw that. So at the very if there's machinations beyond it. Uh, I'm certainly open to that, but I think within the function of this episode, that's why that, that that's why it's there. If it's for greater purposes, Pete, I'm excited about that. Well, you should be excited. 
With this, Joy takes him inside. Pete, she smilingly, sympathetically says she just wants to be fair. You know, she's had the job of keeping what their father's created, has to keep it healthy and vital, and just to be totally fair and totally nice. And generous. And generous. She offers Danny $100 million for his shares in the company. He'd still have to be legally dead, though, and change his name. But this will be done quietly, legally. Have him step aside. Have him out of the picture. Pete, would you accept that deal for $100 million? I wouldn't, and he doesn't. And and what makes sense in the construction of this episode is that Joy Meacham has just been completely vulnerable in his eyes and, and bared this pain and now has gone into her home with the little uh, pottery uh, bowl there on the on the table, okay, and uh, suddenly played hardball. Um, in what comes around very, very nicely with the Patel stuff. And then later in the episode, once we, uh, we sit down with Hogarth, you know, Ward, Ward, Ward only wanted to give you 40 million, but I talked him up. Pete, one of our pals who shall remain anonymous has been a little critical of the way Marvel television treats the ladies uh, let's just let's just take a look here at Iron Fist. Um, I know Danny Rand has the special mystical powers, and that is what that is. And we've we've discussed the decision to you know to not make the character Asian, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. We won't rehash that at present. Uh, Colleen Wing, small business owner, tough as nails, uh, you know, honest honest to her core. Joy as as a baddie. Joy is incredibly intelligent, well-educated, uh, nuanced, able to uh, manipulate. And I, I don't mean to suggest that that is, a, that is a female trait nor an evil trait necessarily. We all have to make our way through the world. But she's able to, to juke and jive with the best of them legally. These are, these are uh, incredibly powerful women. And in a little bit, we're adding a third to that. Um, there's there, there's there's lady power here galore. There is, and as the the scene ends here, obviously, um, Danny's not going to take the money uh, that they were working for while he was off wherever. Um, and to him, it's not about the money. It's about his name and and his life and everything else. But, you know, she points out that they live in the real world and, and this is what it takes. Pete, ironically, about the money, about the real world, back to the dojo we go. Colleen asks Daryl how he got the cut on his face. Pete, he's got his moms and his brother. He's been fighting in those private fights. It may dishonor him to fight for the money, uh, but he does it anyway. So, Pete, we have kind of the uh, the, the flip side there to everything that uh, that Joy was just saying. And I think bringing Daryl in as a as a character, and you know, seeing a little bit more of the dojo side in this episode, it it's necessary because it's almost felt claustrophobic with such a small group of characters with names you know and shannon <laughs> thanks shannon um 
with that, we go to a really lovely cemetery setting. I'm, uh, I'll assume it's a real cemetery somewhere in the greater New York area. With an Easter egg. With an Easter egg? With an Easter egg. Pete, what's the Easter egg? Well, for, first, let's just set the scene for people who might not remember. Danny visiting the grave of his parents uh, and his grave as well. Certainly must be a surreal moment. Pete, make it more surreal with an Easter egg. Uh, did you see Danny's headstone? Uh, I, I looked at it, but although perhaps, Pete, I didn't I have, truly I have see it. I have a picture it. of it that I'm going to tweet right now. Um, but it, it reads, Matt, Daniel son wow that is a fun little easter egg i mean you could have gone a lot of ways there that's a completely intentional situation wait do you see for next episode the real world headline i got that i'm going to tweet during our next recording about next episode fun stuff uh he notices uh <laughs> Other than the Easter eggs, he notices that the flowers are fresh and uh, seems to take special notice in his mother's headstone. Uh, it's not something that they particularly pursued. Perhaps it was just Pete. Perhaps it was originally an opportunity to show his mother's demise yet again. And maybe they said two or, or three times, three times in the previous two episodes was enough. Um, Regardless, though, Pete, gone is the hazy-headed, drugged-up Danny. Here, the character is imbued with real pathos um, as he's just reflecting on the deaths of his parents and, and the, you know, facing his death to a certain degree as he looks at his own headstone. Uh, he asks a groundskeeper who's been tending to the flowers. The groundskeeper just cuts the grass, but you can, you can check the office. You could ask the office. Matt, nighttime revolving door and who steps through it and back into our life but j money jerry hogarth it is great to see her i i i don't know what a great addition i'm certainly not opposed to multiple characters moving back you know back and forth between these shows and he needs a lawyer what, you know who better who better than uh, than jerry hogarth um, Danny confronts her. She's ready to mace him, Pete. Give him the old mace face. But he gives a litany of facts showing that he's actually him. And Pete, thank goodness she's quick to accept it. She's not like, well, let's do a double blind Eminem messenger game. <laughs> or it's just wow. like, oh, you've oh. given me six specific facts. Yes, you are Danny. That's what but that's where the evidence has taken me. Let's proceed. All from of there. those facts make her a a different softer character than what we're used to seeing her from Jessica Jones okay that she wasn't the top dog um that uh they didn't even give her i mean interns don't usually have offices but they put her in the copy room she had this uneven desk he he called this lady a a mean name and uh he got 5 bucks out of it um, and no wonder that she is sympathetic to his plight. Her father, Wendell, who, who seems to have been an all around wonderful person, um, having given her her start. So, you know, it could have been, oh, I'm, I'm the shark you need. Let, let's go, kid. I ain't going to work cheap, though. You're going to put me on retainer. And she still maintains her edge. Yet, um, 
again, the, the women on this show being able to be strong and vulnerable, that it's not one only. Absolutely. She still is able to uh, to show some pride there, though. She says he was smart to turn down the offer for $100 million. Well, it's the second smartest thing he's done. First was come to see her. He's worth billions. With a B. Uh, with a B. Uh, what's it going to cost him? Her answer, nothing. But if they win, uh, then her firm is on permanent retainer for Rand. So, Pete, pro bono is the way to go. It is. And, um, you know, they talk about setting him up at a suite that her firm keeps one uh, just for such occasions. But he's staying at the Chikara, Matt. You know the Chikara. That's that place in Brooklyn with the glass floors, right? The new one. Actually, it's a dojo. He sleeps <laughs> on a mat. And uh, she she doesn't bat an eyelash. She gives him some money for new clothes. Why do people keep complaining about how he dresses? Her answer, it's New York City. It matters. It does Back after this. Matter. Speaking of matters, Matt, Ward looking at the photo and then uh, Joy coming down all dressed up uh, in what I'm fairly certain is a, a backwards dress. <laughs> Well, I don't know about that, Pete. All I knew is all I know is it's a little back dress, black dress with power shoulders. Um, but it, if you flip it around, <laughs> it's got a plunging neckline in the back, and it had a really weird front. So it almost like, unless that's an intentional thing, and I gotta admit, I don't know a lot about this season's fashions, Matt. But it looked like she had it on backwards. Pete, I'm just gonna throw a guess here. Maybe it's kind of the 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 fleece. Feist, feist titillation theory, you know, showing showing the plunging back line, you know, perhaps perhaps hinting at a lack of uh, undergarments, uh, but but nonetheless, her her uh, her beauty radiating, perhaps meant to uh, meant to confound the hapless Raj, um, or at least have him lower his guard before she goes in with what is going to unfold as a pretty awesome, pretty cerebral move but we'll get there when we get there um this pete is where she and i dare say the the show in general makes fun of uh ward's lack of emotion would it kill you to smile every now and then the easy target we talked about his scowling in the previous episode uh tells him doesn't need him uh you know being the wet blanket tonight it's too important so don't screw it up smile and as they head out the door, the remnants of the swept away flowers from earlier still kind of there. Great shot of the, the, the stiletto coming out. And the SUV is there. There's Raj popping the corks already. What's on that agenda, Matt? A night you'll never forget. Ooh, yeah. Coochie coochie. Also, I think dumb man is about to get laps run around him. And I am okay with that. Um, back to Harold's penthouse. He's, uh, training with his trainer. Uh, he, he takes a few taps, then gives harder and harder hits enough to keep the guy down. He's okay though. <laughs> uh, he says the trainer, uh, Harold says he thinks he's ready for weapons. Uh, as he gets a uh, drink of water, I might add, the lights go out. He drops a glass. Subtitles reveal that Madame Gao is speaking. 
They are disappointed. They want to know why he left. They have an agreement and he must follow it to the letter or there will be consequences. He's told to kneel, but the glass. Yes, kneel. He kneels in the glass. Uh, his hand kind of looks bloody almost before he touches the ground. Maybe a second take was the better take here. Um, also, I kind of wondered where trainer guy went, but that's hardly the focus of the scene. He kind of wheels around and the scene ends. I almost wonder, again, given the nebulousness of the hand situation, is, is the trainer part of this? Um, based on the way that the, the scene unfolded. Um, but, you know, great to see Madame Gao reemerge. We know of her ability to, to come and go. We've, we've seen this before. Again, tantalizing. And I, I have to praise. I, I, I find, I, I don't think I'm trying to stick up Maybe it seems that way, but I, I have to praise the timing by which the the hand uh, stuff has been unfurled here. Um, not coming in, in one fell swoop and, and done in a way, who, who's going to make this guy subservient? Boom, this, this little Chinese lady that we see quickly has, has her cane and forces him to... Uh, kneel and thereby uh, brace himself in a in a pile of broken glass with his hands. Back to the dojo we go go. Daryl is teaching a rowdy class. Uh, Danny comes in. He's had enough of their behavior. The dojo is a place of respect. He says that they chatter like monkeys and they must uh, silence their inner voice. Uh, he shows some moves. Uh, as his back is turned, a student blows a raspberry and gets a practice sword to the leg. I like Pete that the show straddles the line. Maybe his leg is broken. Maybe it isn't. Instead, we kind of cut a little bit forward in time to uh, Colleen's sparse apartment area there in the dojo. She's upset and kicks Danny out. Danny has been a bad boy. Well, that that uh, student there did joke around that he had a red hook punch. Red Hook being a, a location in, in Brooklyn. Um, but uh, yeah, I, it's again funny the the way that he admonishes them. Uh, he doesn't know them, nor Daryl, uh, apart from them, uh, know him. And to interrupt their lesson, to take this goofy pose with the practice sword and to not expect that reaction again belies his age um and coming back to the the mental 10 year old within you know somebody that you know i i'm i'm a kung fu warrior yet the subtleties of adults that seemingly escape him um yeah it's it, it's interesting nonetheless but Colleen has to play the, the, the straight edge here and, and to let him know this is not acceptable, that, that there are many people here uh, who they get bullied by their, their families or elsewhere. Now they can't worry about it here. So it, it, it shouldn't have to happen. As uh, we cut to the SUV, Matt, 
pulling up to a lavish five-star restaurant? Pulling up to the back alley adjoining Metro General Pete. That's the hospital from some of the other TV shows. That's where all those uh, dead people were stolen, right? Uh, yes. And a nurse, didn't I read in the New York Bulletin, a nurse died? Uh, a, a nurse by died. a junkie? And uh, then a, there was something about a, a nurse leaving? It, it, it was all over the news there. It was, it was, it was written in, in Ellison's column. It, it, it was well written in the uh, in the bulletin. Um, in the Meachams go with Raj Patel. Uh, they're they're met by a worker. They're escorted to the fifth floor and uh, and see another worker uh, escorted by another worker. Uh, they are shown a man, Kevin Kennedy. He has been on life support for a year. In thirty minutes, he's going to be taken off it after getting his final rights. He has opted to donate his organs. His liver will not go on the national list, however. It will go directly to Raj's ill nephew, Ward, in the background, which is to say Raj is back to him. Ward is shaking his head, trying to call it off. Uh, and I like show that here, uh, I like Pete, that here the show uh, shows uh, discretion. You, you could have written Raj saying, oh my goodness. Joy. I mean, he he connects the dots enough to say, "Oh, this is my buy-in to your your special club right. of privilege." Uh, you know, the the doing this purchase, and I get the privilege of of this liver. Um, but they don't show the deal being completed because you don't need to. It's you, it's this overwhelming moment. You don't need him going. I am in. I will shake your hand now. <laughs> you know, let us spit Did on our hands. Did you just praise the show? I, I, I I have been enjoying the show. I think there I think that there were some expositional concerns in the first episode. I think there were some pacing concerns in the second. Uh, there is something that troubles me, which we'll get to shortly in this episode. But this is the best episode yet with with good character stuff, Agreed. moving the story football forward, making the conflicts clear, making them interesting, adding mystery where needed. And this is a taut, lean, fun show. It's not going as deep into gender issues or race issues um, as Jessica Jones or Luke Cage. And you don't have the built-in, you know, kind of... It's a handicapped superhero to to be a factor, as you did for Daredevil, nor the Catholicism. I'm having fun. If they promised us fun, I'm having fun so far. And I think as we're looking at this season, the question we've got to increasingly add is was the deck stacked against this show? Well, if you're going to make your bones by saying, I've seen some footage of it. I'm going to go write my column about how awful it is and how burdened I am because I've heard that other people are burdened and this will get clicks. The, wait, the, wait, yes. is this are we doubling down on white privilege well I, I don't know about that i guess what i'm saying is we look this would have been a more nuanced show had he been an asian character they went as we've discussed before they went to stick to the comic not to make changes which i feel like is oftentimes the better route um that being the case and that, that being a battle that was fought before they shot the first episode because they had to cast first, fine. We had that discussion. It is what it is. This is not setting out to make the commentary that, that the other shows have. That is unfortunate. But the show that we do have is 
like many a Marvel show, an action-adventure show with some supernatural-slash-magical-slash-mystical elements. That, that's the, the new addition here with the whole Rand backstory. Okay, I'm having fun. You throw in some of the uh, the, the skyscraper intrigue and perhaps uh, how that was informed by uh, the, the goings-on in the real world as the show was uh, being put together. Okay, this is a this is an enjoyable. This is a hamburger, Pete. It's not a filet mignon. This is a hamburger, and it's a darn good hamburger. Well, welcome to New York, Daniel Rand, as he munches Pringles there in this suite that uh, Hogarth's firm has for stashing high-profile uh, big paydays, and uh, I, I like what takes place in this scene. The, the you could see it predictably that the bed's going to be too comfortable that he's going to need to move to the floor but then that the white blanket goes into the snow and i i read this today actually that we've never seen kunlun <laughs> and matt what do we see in this scene where we are we <laughs> We see uh, we are taken back to the Himalayas amidst the, the, the snow is a valley of green uh, seen from afar. Then we, we are inside a room as uh, the young Rand boy is being beaten with practice sticks. He's okay, making a fist. So where are we? Uh, Kunlun. Did we see it? Uh, we saw it from very, very afar and then a room inside it but that counts both counts uh, count right. as the like, settings of kunlun again it goes back to well we don't see shu lao the the undying the the dragon that he he gets uh the the iron fist from we haven't seen this city show me where in the other three marvel shows where they've demolished their budget with ridiculous effects Pete, and, and everybody Point Everybody to, knows that every Daredevil episode showed radar vision, right? Don't point to the Daredevil hole as being a massive effect <laughs> because it was a practical effect. Um, you draw a circle and then don't light it. <laughs> but again, do we need this sprawling uh, seventh capital city on a hill? of of heaven or is the 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 musical montage of of him enduring a beating from from these monks and uh the the blood dripping back out into the snow after it had dripped onto his hand um kind of curious what the source of the blood was he was hit on the back and then it was dripping onto his hand but that's neither here nor there but matt that there's a trail made and then the very next thing we see is joy's pottery bowl indeed drops of blood quote unquote drops of m&ms the pottery bowl quickly in the mix here um, we're in Joy's office. Uh, Rand compliments her on the Patel move, but he still won't tell her why he wants the peer. Pete, isn't it supposed to be their company? Oh boy. Uh, uh, pardon me, not Rand. Ward. Um, such similar names. Ward, once again, the big brother, the one who's uh, the one who's unfairly uh, <laughs> unfairly playing what's supposed to be an equal partnership here. 
Ward wonders about simply walking away, though, and starting over. They lose everything, of course. That's seemingly the way Dad set things up, but he wonders. Pete, can you imagine a, a, a rich uh, executive son being so ashamed as his father to <laughs> want to leave the company, to, to just be so ashamed by his father and his father's values that he, or, or perhaps his sister, would simply want to leave the company entirely? Regardless, though, Pete, there's Joy echoes will back of him. Danny's situation, people known to start over with, with nothing. Um, but did this feel out of left field for you? Pete, this seemed very out of left field. I almost would have bought it more if it was from Joy, who mm. has shown these layers of sympathy, uh, despite the fact that I think we've seen in this episode she is in many ways the superior businesswoman because she knows when to zig and knows when to, to zag. Um, perhaps this was done to give Ward a sense of sympathy because they're starting to look at the footage coming back and realizing that they've kind of created... Uh, a two-dimensional character um, w with not even the, the, the appearance of, you know, oh, Joy's so sympathetic. Here, have some tea. No, it's knockout tea. I'm still bad, you know. But at least there's that kind of interplay there. Um, I'm going to bet that that's why it was. Could be. We'll, we'll just have to, again, keep an eye on that situation. On the street there, uh, Danny Rand is uh with hogarth gets a coffee from her which you know still not quite up on his luck in the money department uh and she's got bad news that the case is going to be more challenging uh than she anticipated there's no birth certificate doctor visits uh not even a library card uh she suspects the meachams are behind it but he has an idea Remember the skateboarding discussion in the first episode? He used to do that in the Rand lobby. And then he sees two red-hatted skateboarders skate by. By the way, Pete, little great acting moment, character moment, when he first is given the coffee, he sips it and just looks at it like it's this noxious thing. <laughs> um, it is. I, I assume he's used to kind of, you know, a more... Um, a, he's used to knockout tea, man. Oh, that's true. It, it didn't have the funny aftertaste and the, and the edges didn't get blurry all of a sudden. <laughs> uh, regardless, though, he goes to a place. It looks like Metro, Metro General. Um, he's easily amidst all the old records because that's how hospitals work. The records yeah, are just there. Was, we got to call serious scene foul on that. <laughs> You know, um, if security of a hospital and, and how much of this early series has already taken place in, you know, regular and, and now, um, you know, and, and mental hospitals, mental facilities, but that he's able to waltz there. You know, I, I know I made reference early in the in the first episode. Maybe he can stealth himself somehow that he was able to get the lady's key card and scan it in the elevator so show it with a series of quick cuts show him walking to the hospital and you can literally do a uh a danny boyle-esque you know zip 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 of him walking by grab the thing tap yeah. beep boom door closed yeah you you could shoot that you could have a second unit shoot that in a morning if not an hour 
and you could edit it together just as quickly right. as opposed to You kind to... of need to anticipate HIPAA in the writers room man because yeah. stacks and stacks and stacks and shelves of files here and a guy staking it out in the chance that Danny Rand would come ready to burn it um, must have been working ahead of him. And, and that's, again, why the scene doesn't quite work, because by the end of the scene, there's an unconscious woman in the corner that other than him saving is never, ever referenced. Yeah, I, I think that w- I, I, it's. I mean, it is a problematic scene. There's no there's no two ways around it. Um, the, the the nice man who's there to presumably help him ends up putting on the brass knucks, the brass knucks, cold cocks him. Um, pretty decent fight breaks out. Um, I like using the, uh, the iron fist to, to break the brass knuckles was, was good. Yeah. Um, that there's alcohol, the, the oxygen that is eventually set ablaze and, and everything like that. Um, before the explosion and, and carries her out. Um, but yeah, I, I just, you eat the popcorn, but you're, you're, you're pondering the meal. (laughs) Pete, I'm going to ask a question. I think I know the answer to a question to all our medical professionals out there. Could you get away with, uh, with keeping ethyl alcohol and oxygen tanks in a record room? I know that's not your main storage area. Like, is that allowed or is, or must there be a, be a specific, you know, is there, is there a cage that the oxygen tanks must be kept in, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I, I suspect not the case, you know, but, but whatever. Um, it's a pretty good fight that they have, you know, the lighter gets cast away. Then there's a knife thrown in the mix there. Um, I felt that the stunt guy playing the baddie put, a lot of oomph behind his punches. Um, still, though, fire breaks out after the Zippo is recovered. Danny saves the real clerk. The room explodes with them out of it and seen. Oh, but fancy fire restaurant thing and almost look like a continuation there with the uh, the, the the little fire. Uh, the Meachams are in a restaurant and uh, Danny comes in uh you know, says how hard he's uh, trying to get his head all around this. Uh, yet another scene we had seen a version of at New York Comic Con. The 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 stunning setting that this takes place in uh, has stuck with me since we saw it at New York Comic Con. Just such an interesting location from head to toe. That's the difference of shooting around a city you know shooting inside a city using the city versus let's build a or we already have a standing restaurant set that's on the lot so we'll just redress it and relight it um this just smacks of a real place nobody nobody would put that amount of detail in walls and the ceiling for a set um there's also a scene that takes place in it other than my love for the location danny feels betrayed by his de facto brother and sister uh, he smashes a perfectly good wine glass, Pete. Although I like the the wide shot where it just goes flying, you know, to the next next couple tables over. Uh, Joy says they aren't siblings; um, they never were. Uh, but reveal, reveal. Danny has Hogarth now. Boom. And they don't want him here. I I think is is the takeaway. They don't want this 
relationship. At least that's what she says. And uh, despite the fact that uh, Danny uh, calls um, Ward his his brother um, and that uh, he he knew he had broken the arm and, and sent this guy because he was the only other person there who, who knew about it. Um, Joy doesn't even know what's taken place or maybe, uh, you know, denying she knows she, she protests too much here. Um, but the thing we did not see at New York Comic Con, because the place was already charged, Matt, and that was before we got all the defenders on stage, and then that was before Sigourney Weaver was announced to the world as the, the villain of the defenders. Uh, because uh, Pete, it's more proof that Marvel Television has an agenda against women and <laughs> and tries to snuff out having strong female characters like Oscar nominee Sigourney Weaver playing the bad guy in the Defenders miniseries. I don't know about all that. <laughs> I know please, that I know that a Hogarth click name here. drop, uh, you know, during the 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 scenes that we saw would have would have set the place ablaze because. <laughs> Carrie, Carrie Ann Moss is the bond.com. <laughs> um, anyhow, back at, uh, back at Rand headquarters after this, uh, this, this, uh, difficult lunch, joy wants everything on Danny. Uh, after all, she has to face Hogarth tomorrow. She's given a big folder that, uh, that, uh, Ward has in his, uh, in his safe. Uh, she mentions at this point that, that, uh, there was this dream Danny had. Dad visited Danny. Maybe he is crazy as I share information to you, Ward, about this thing. Back at Joy's apartment, uh, there's a long, long shot of Joy putting her keys into the handmade bowl. She considers the bowl, Pete. It clearly... starts there, and you knew yeah. something was up. It, it, it shows her entering at the waist with the the bowl firmly in focus and and the and the freesia on on the table <laughs> so you knew something was up matt it's time for a little section of this podcast that i'm going to call uh ufc underground fight club we don't normally talk about underground fight club uh, it's like a rule or something, but please, Pete, tell me more. Is is a fight wrapping up? There are two guys pummeling one another, of course, at Underground Fight Club, which is what you do at Underground Fight Club when I talk about Underground Fight Club. Uh, Colleen, clad in a hoodie, watches as uh, we head into the open round, Matt. Anybody, it's like open mic night. <sighs> But uh, you, you, your mic is your fist. Who's um, going to sign up? I, I can't guess. <laughs> well, you sign up with uh, with Leon over there. The uh, the announcer points out with his bolo tie. Um, and uh, Colleen, of course, she she breaks the rules of Underground Fight Club. But that's what you do at Underground Fight Club. Uh, the, the rules don't matter. That's like rule number six of, of Underground Fight Club. She walks in, announces herself, uh, you know, need to say it twice, you know, because drama, Matt, the daughter of the dragon. Uh, but he better not call her honey again. Uh, Q shirtless 
fighter, Matt, uh, named in the script as Rusty, but, you know, was written on the page as shirtless fighter. Uh, <laughs> of course, this is not fair, points out um, the announcer there, but he paid his fee the same as her. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the announcer doesn't want to have to, uh, call an ambulance. Colleen wonders aloud for him, but, uh, cut the BS 12, Matt, of the series so far. Uh, there's, there's two ways out here, knock out or tap out. Hey, Rusty, cause Hey, shirtless guy doesn't work in dialogue. Um, if you bite again, I will 86 you. And uh, hold on to your junk, boys. Indeed, Rusty raises his dukes and Colleen stands there uh, kind of deflecting some of his hits. She gets in a, a, a few good uh, punches herself. But Pete, he is a wall of muscle. She gets downed quickly. She gets bit. It looks like she's going to be out. And then she uses the panther punch. The, the leopard punch. The leopard punch <laughs> that, okay, fine, that she learned from Danny. She's the Asian character. Who... But is that a one-to-one? I got to wonder, Matt. In the course of like the narrative. Leopard punch or Hadouken or anything like that. It's just that she punched a guy. It It's not. My point is this. It's not explicit that um, white man of privilege who has learned Kung Fu taught me this so that I may use that underground fight club. It's not explicit. So as a sin, is it a sin if, it, if it's not explicit? <laughs> it is a soft sin because narratively she's down, she's out things aren't going well and then it you, you it can be inferred that she remembers the leopard punch which she learned earlier in the episode that that knowledge comes to her in her moment of desperation and thank goodness there's the you know blonde-haired white-skinned hero like i can see that perspective it had me going oh no but now, i Pete, think what follows is textual evidence matt that it's not because there is a simmering rage inside of Colleen Wing. The, the Bushido code notwithstanding, she beats the bejesus out of, the, the Bushido Jesus out of this guy. <laughs> okay. There's, there's something beneath the surface that, all right, she employed that punch, but that punch then leads to an absolute, over-the-top beatdown. The the Bushido code would have been, here's the mercy, I'm done, I win graciously, despite the fact I'm lowering myself to fight for money. No, she beats this guy to holy hell. So I I don't know. I, I think it's it's more characterization than it is that oh, Danny gave me the way out. If this is the uh the the most egregious example of white man teaches asian woman about the asian martial arts then i'm with you pete if it gets worse from here then it's the beginning of a trend um i'm open to either to me it's not a smoking gun to me it's a small sin if it's a small sin in the sea of good then then it gets let go if it's the small sin 
that becomes the gateway to to this type of writing. Well, we'll, we'll cross a bridge when we come to it. Bottom line is, though, Pete, she beats this guy, beats Rusty uh, badly, and she is handed cash and told she can visit any time. Pete, she just fought for money. Speaking of fighting for money, Matt, there's no better warrior than uh, Jerry Hogarth at your side. Danny gets off the elevator there. War- Ward and Joy are that I was just about to call Woy. Because <laughs> Jord doesn't, doesn't look as good. Uh, they are waiting in the conference room there. Uh, Joy has had a change of heart, uh, as have they both. They are now throwing in harassment threats and lowering the offer to 20 million and adding a restraining order, which Jerry notes is a nice touch. Um, and that they have had a change as well. They now want full rights as a sole heir of Rand with the controlling 51% interest, a board seat and compensation, but they are adding a corner office support staff and a housing allowance of a million dollars per year. Is that funny, Matt? Do I hear you laughing? Uh, Pete, I am laughing because there's a lack of proof of identity. Oh, wait. Jerry shows the handmade dish. It, uh, it, uh, on the bottom says, uh, happy birthday to with Joy. One, with one P. No, it Indeed. was a bad seller. That's proof, right? He, he was a bad speller and, and spelled it with one P? Uh, but it has a child's fingerprint on it. Pete, Luckily, there's even some paint on there to help make the fingerprint ridges <laughs> pop to the ca- camera. Um, at this point, Ward is holding it. And I was wondering, why doesn't Ward just smash the thing I against the ground? I thought that was coming too, man. And do we give credit for restraint for doing that when there's no. a when there's a big no, we narrative don't. sin in, in the next half scene? This... Correct me if I'm wrong, Pete. This is not a deposition. This is lawyers meeting with their clients, right? But the the threat of deposing her as um, no, Jerry but, notes, uh, deposing Joy to establish provenance, despite the fact that this was stolen from uh, Danny's old home, now Joy's home, uh, makes makes it murky. Won't stand up in court, et cetera, et cetera threatens with the deposition there and and ward threatens back that he's going to bury them in motions and delays in all this other discovery type of stuff that will keep him from seeing a dime for at least 10 years well we'll see in court and uh that he should have taken the money again danny with the refrain of it's his name and as he's checking out the photo of his father and then uh, Harold, boy, he's not seen him in a while, on the wall there, Ward comes storming out on the phone. I wonder who he's calling, Matt. Just to return to Ward and his lack of uh, lack of butterfingers for a moment, <laughs> my point was this. My point was this. It's not like it, 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 it's not like this has the quasi... Um, courtroom aspect and pardon me i don't have the proper lawyerly lingo there but it's not like this is even a deposition where some of the courtroom rules apply if he smashes it on the on the table and says oops i dropped it well he's got eight people on his side two on the other i don't know 
would it would have worked for me in character? Oops. Yeah. Uh, now you also could have said, "Oh, well, that was three uh, D printed and scanned. We have the original." Like, there's ways around it. <laughs> Here's an even better one. If it was in plastic, or if you sit and go, "This is an official deposit." Like, if you all you needed was some mumbo jumbo, like we have an officer of the court here. Which I don't know how legit that is, but it's not a legit real world move this, that this guy is holding the tool of his damnation. And near as I can tell, as a layperson when it comes to the lawyerly arts and sciences, all he needs to do, heck, he doesn't even need to smash it, Pete. He can just be like, peace out, Cub Scouts, and run out. And, <laughs> you know, and I, I don't know. I think I made a huge mistake. <laughs> yeah. You know, so anyhow. But um, yes, a little bit more writerly telegraphing as Ward goes by hushed, hushed conversation. Um, Danny stepping aside. Luckily, Ward's office is right by the big meeting room where they go to meet people and wow them. That has glass walls and yeah. everyone can see him go up to the door with yeah. his name on and hear him talking to this other person where he says yeah i think joy helped hogarth but i can't <gasps> that's a nice it. touch i need another plan um you know can can we talk about it when i get there i i thought that was really poorly done agreed however it leads to the final scene of the episode Danny following Ward to Harold's penthouse. We've seen the layers of security enough to wonder how it'll be done. So some good story seeding from prior episodes. Ward passes the hand scan. How can the Danny hand pass? Scan. <gasps> it's all connected. Uh, in the penthouse, Ward and Harold are talking. Harold says that Ward's fixer almost killed Danny, which, uh, which is certainly true enough. Harold uh can do anything he wants he he reiterates uh ward shouldn't be shouldn't be overplaying things ward then saying no he can't ward can go get coffee go to the movies harold can't a reminder that his father is a is a prisoner here in this penthouse if ward were to go to the new york times however what would happen is that his sister and he would be killed um, so that can't happen. All of this is unfolding as, uh, shots of Danny looking at the, the, the fire door now out onto the ledge and then climbing. Uh, we've, we've seen his, um, his dexterity as far as, uh, climbing in, in the, the first episode, scaling this ledge here. Um, and with Harold showing his, uh, son the the mild treatment by the hand on his hand. hands um you know w what would happen if they found out he's trapped there suddenly uh danny at a window uses a credit card to open it and whew, is pushed away into the credits sparring partners let's look at who danny faced off against in this episode pete let's start with ward who uh who seems to be uh somewhat uh legally bloodied or at least uh, metaphorically bloodied by the the showdowns in this episode yeah the the reference to his 
scowliness in the middle of the episode by by Joy. Um, as we just mentioned before, having the the sculpture, the pottery, whatever, it's not quite a bowl. It's not quite a dish. I just wish I knew what to call it. Uh, in his hand and and not in anger throwing it, um, you know, he's more complex than we give him credit for, but we just haven't seen it yet. Next up is Harold. Pete, let's cut to the thick of it. Is Harold the undead, the Nosferatu, Count Dracula himself? Frank N. Stein? I, I don't know. I'll, 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 you know, like Danny, I'll just casually move out of the way of that one. Um, <laughs> but more and more of the the clues towards his um his life in this penthouse we've seen him before with uh with with green smoothie type drinks and we we know that he's he's kept there it's a condition of the bargain he has made with the hand um which which we'll we'll learn more about but um the hyperbaric chamber here uh the the What's the obsession with self-defense and, and moving to weapons and, and everything there? Um, Daredevil had Fisk. Uh, Jessica Jones has Kilgrave. You have two enormous villains um, in, in Luke Cage, in Cottonmouth, and then... Um, Diamond Mariah and that we don't seem to have at this point, a central villain. It's different. It's, it's not bad. It's different than what we're used to in these Marvel shows, at least on Netflix. I, I will say I much prefer the current, um, kind of good versus bad, bad guy arrangement. than the, two and a half, two and nine tenth uh, episodes of teasing when it came to, you know, don't say, don't his, say, name. The, don't say, don't his, say name. his name. Like that was all well and good for that first season. That first season of Daredevil, I think Netflix, I think Marvel figured out was a little too slow for their own good. Um, I don't think it was that. I, I think they knew it had to have its own stamp. The, the comparison I would make would be to Rogue One, a Star Wars story, that it, it needed to be successful and it needed to be its own and different thing. And the the holding back of Fisk till the end of, you know, that second or third episode, it had to be that way and it can only be that way. And, you know, the, the, the same with that that newer type of of star Wars movie and look at the tremendous success both went on to daredevil was renewed four days after it dropped, um, in their quickest, uh, renewal to date. Um, it's funny. We're not hearing about iron fist being renewed anytime soon, but again, we know how much Netflix guards these numbers and well, uh, yeah, he's no, going to up on another show. I was just going to say to that point, Stranger Things was publicly renewed a month after it came out and privately renewed before it came out. So there is a certain degree of 
you know, not all renewals are equal. Some renewals are there to go. And it's another amazing Marvel success, another Netflix success. Or, you know, or it really has caught the zeitgeist. We finally convinced Netflix to renew Stranger Things, which already has a writer's room together and is already <laughs> plotting season two, you know. So, yeah. Pete, let's talk, though, about Joy. It's a tale as old as time, a song as old as rhyme. She's beauty and the brain. Wow. I'm not going to respond to that so much as just to to cast her in a situation in this episode where, like I said before, she is at both sympathetic and loathsome for the tactic that she used. Not by Raj Patel, who understandably would want to be able to come across an organ for his ailing nephew, Terrence, but in an unethical way. In a, in a way, it, it's an ill-gotten organ, and uh, you know, there, there's all sorts of conspiracy theories about Mickey Mantle having gotten a, a liver in, in, a, in a similar way because of his prominence and, you know, ultimately in the long term, that was a waste of a, of an organ. Um, so to, to get this information, to not have it on the national registry, to head that off there, to close a deal. And interesting that the, the father wanted her put on this. So this, you know, Meacham triumvirate, it's a pretty interesting dynamic in a way we've not seen on these Marvel shows. Maybe uh, the 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 stuff with uh, the one Hydra family on uh, Agents of Shield, but other than that, we've we've not seen stuff like this. Time to focus our chi and look inside this episode, Pete. Theory number one, I would like to ask you, has Harold visited Joy uh, since his presumed death? The the dream, the repetition of it a hundred times seems like maybe not. Um, but I, I just think in the way that it's mentioned that perhaps he showed up at the schoolyard once or twice and because she was a little kid, it, it didn't quite seem right. I'll, I'll, I'll throw you this. My grandfather, my namesake, I'm the third of my name. Um, he, he was a very, very large figure in my life. And within a month to six weeks after his funeral, and his death was something that, that made me religious from that point to this point in my life, um, I swear I saw him in the, uh, the same church six weeks later. It was uncanny. I almost went up to this man and I never did. I've actually never talked about that until just now. I just wow. realized that. Um, but I could envision a similar type of phenomenon for joy, maybe because I've, I've, seem to experience something like that, whether you project it or you don't. But um, it, it was too 
important of a detail in the context of their conversation. Yes, you're trying to get at, oh, you saw your dad in what you thought is a dream. I saw your dad too in what I thought was a hallucination. Um, so inconclusive, Matt. Pete, how about the hyperbaric chamber here? I couldn't help but notice that uh, that Harold's portrait at Randco looks an awful lot the way he looks now. Uh, to what degree is he trying to turn back the clock or more? The hyperbaric chamber, which is behind Kyle's station. Kyle, no Kyle's corner in this episode, folks, because uh, he's not here. Uh, must have been getting health liquids at the health liquid store. Um yeah, it's it's interesting to say the least. I'm also drawn to the glass uh, fixtures in the penthouse with like the plants and everything behind them and the moisture on the other side, I, I think is a very interesting detail. I mean, listen, how, how they've designed that set um, is obviously in for, for the long term. And the the corporate offices of Rand, that's very easily done. You know, we we find a um, we find an office building we want to shoot in. It could be Marvel HQ for all we know, <laughs> with with a nice glass conference room. Um, but they constructed this set, and um, the way that it's laid out is is really really fascinating. And the insights that it shed into his experience. So I'm not even quite sure with a hyperbaric chamber what what the goal is. Is it youth? Is it for sleep? Is it for sound dampening? Um, he's he's trying to do something in terms of his health. I'm sure we'll get to it at some point. Yeah, well, we're about to talk uh, messages in a moment. Let's put out a, an all call to all our billionaire listeners out there. Why do you use your hyperbaric chamber? So. <laughs> We have like three listeners that, that we, I mean, we are listened to in, in 70 countries. So there's quite a few with hyperbaric chambers out there. You know it. Let's listen to some messages from the mystical city of Kunlun. Pete, a quick one here from uh, bike BRH on Twitter. Uh, we were talking, of course, about the the M&Ms, the brown M&Ms. Um, he said, old guy that I am, I assumed that the M&Ms were some sort of Van Halen reference. Pete, he says <laughs> to Google Van Halen brown M&M. I knew that one. They put that in there as an easy way to check that they're more complex uh, instructions as they, were on, uh, as they were on tour. The real safety things uh, that those were being followed. If they saw no brown M&Ms, then they knew that uh, those more important things were not being followed. So that was a Wayne's World two uh, thing as well. You know, the one roadie was was instructed to remove all the M and M's of of one color or whatever. There's there's the urban legend about the green M and M's and and everything there as an aphrodisiac, um, which which would have been too much to to go with uh, Joy and uh, Danny at that tender point in their relationship to, to, to do that. Um, but yeah, it, it's pretty interesting. You could always have gone like the red dye number five route or something like that too. 
Well, Pete, we have some more goodies for the mailbag that we're going to save for our next show. Of course, the next podcast is going to be coming out uh, on Friday. So uh, whether you've already gotten in touch or are going to get in touch, uh, we're never too far away. want to give a big thanks to all our listeners who've helped us out on Patreon.com slash Fantastic Geek, helping make sure the, uh, the pods and the casts continue to do what they do. Absolutely. Huge help and uh, thanks to all the people donating there on uh, Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Fantastic Geek. You can donate at any level. You unlock benefits for each. Uh, Everybody gets um, paid private podcast content when you do that so it's it's certainly uh worth checking out for that a little bit more fantastic geek in your ear always free though pete talking to you on twitter how can people do so you can find me on twitter at peter p-i-e-t-e-r-j-k-e-t-e-l-a-a-r 9115 followers can't be wrong and while I am personally on Twitter is looking back lost, you can be touched with the podcast anytime you want. We are Fantastic Geek. Fantastic with the P and the H. FantasticGeek at gmail.com. FantasticGeek.com. Both places people have been in touch with this week. Also, uh, people tweeting us at Fantastic Geek on Twitter and Instagram, too. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com forward slash Fantastic Geek with the PH, all one word. You like it, you're connected to everything we bring you. Iron Fist, Luke Cage, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., all the other Defender shows. We've just dropped our first Inhumans episode, which we'll be covering. Matt, I think there's some, some Punisher stuff happening between you and I behind the scenes right now, or was I not supposed to talk about that? Keep that in the secret (laughs) war journal until we're ready to reveal. Also, of course, Discovery, a Star Trek podcast by Fantastic Geek. Uh, So an exciting time to be uh, be with your old pals from PG. With that, Pete, I will say goodbye to all our listeners and give you the final word. I got a Red Hook punch.